Everyone has their own unique views and needs when it comes to financial success. If you'd like to leave your financial woes behind and live a life of financial freedom, you've come to the right place. Welcome to the Saving with Steve show, hosted by Steve Sexton. The show will help you with the ins and outs of money. We talk about financial issues that could be costing you thousands of dollars and keeping you up at night. We talk about money, tax reduction, saving more, spending less, 401ks, risk management, retirement, and everything under the sun that relates to you having a healthier, happy relationship with money. Now, here is your host of Saving with Steve, Steve Sexton. Hello, welcome to the Saving with Steve show, where we talk about the ins and outs of money, pretty much everything under the sun that relates to you having a healthier, happy relationship with money. My name is Steve Sexton. I want to thank you for joining us today. We're thankful for everybody here in uh, 2022. We, we, we exceeded over 600,000 listeners. We've just exceeded another 50,000 listeners overseas. So the show's expanding and we want to thank you for that. Many of the people emailed in today about a couple of our guests. We're thankful for that. So if you have you know, a, a, an idea, you'd like to hear about something, go to viewer at savingwithsteve.us. That's viewer at savingwithsteve.us. And let us know what you'd like to hear about, what subjects you'd like to talk about. You know what? Today, we're going to talk about dating time wasters, how to change the lens of a relationship, and how to know when to pull out. Realizing what the relationship has given you, but also taken away from you to know when to walk away. We have Dr. Jackie Del Rosario, who the relationship and marriage arena has dubbed her the American marriage coach. She's been featured on all major news networks, plus Hallmark, Bravo, Grace of Pages of Bloomberg, Net, Newsweek. She's also displayed her skills on the Real Housewives of Atlanta. You're going to love this. You know what? I can't say enough. I'm just thankful I'm married. But if you're not and you're dating, please, you want to stick around for that one. I'm going to be talking about how to protect your money from inflation. And next up, you know what? We're talking to the workplace doctor. See, 41% of the global workforce is likely consider leaving their current employer within the next year. Because of the pandemic, how, how, how and why Americans work has completely changed as employees are now in search of a more flexible and happiness from their job. Commonly used organizational frameworks no longer capture these complex dynamics in this new, org, uh, new age organ, organizations. Companies need to develop new approaches to maximize the potential as well as their other employees to risk losing them all. Now, whether you're a middle manager, an executive, a senior manager, you have a small business, you work with people at church, the whole shot, you want to stick around for this. We have Natasha Bowman. She's known as a workplace doctor, 20 years of consulting experience for her firm, Performance Renew. She's worked to remodel America from the inside out. I want to thank her for joining us today. Let me introduce you to Natasha Bowman. Welcome to the show. I want to thank you for being here. Again, we have the workplace doctor, Natasha Bowman. Thanks again for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Now, you know what? You've had 20 years of experience through your, your firm called Performance Renew, and you focus on companies where you're reworking the workplace inside out. Now, yeah. I always like to know, how did you get started in that business? Because you know what, that's a tough one to rework a culture from the inside out. Yeah, it is. So, you know, I really was prompted to do that. I'm actually a labor and employment law attorney. And I decided very early in my career 
you know what? I don't want to be on the dark side of misconduct in the workplace after, you know, someone I would read these cases, you know, when they've gone through all of these horrendous things with their bosses, their culture, you know, to a point where now we're in court. And I'm like, I don't want to see these people here. I want to see these people before this behavior gets started so that people can just come to work, be able to be perform, feel valued, feel respected, you know, so they can engage and thrive. And so that's why I go in into organizations and, you know, identify the blind spots in the organization, whether it's people, whether it's processes, systems, so that people can just come to work and just be positive and happy, engaged and thriving. That's wonderful. Now, um, you know what? One of the big things that we're seeing is a lot of people are deciding, you know what? I don't want to work here anymore. I want to, you know what? Move off. Don't like my boss. Don't like this. Um, you know what? I, their, their mental, um, uh, fa- uh, their, their mental state is not yeah. what it used to be or yeah. maybe never was because of the culture. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know what? I think what most people don't understand is how, what, what is the big dynamic that has changed? Um, you know, uh, with the, the pandemic, um, and what are the crucial elements that people need to understand whether they're working there in management leadership, uh, of this new, you know, I I hate to say this, but you know, it is a modern workplace nowadays. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. help us understand that. Yeah. So, you know, I think the pandemic taught all of us a lot of things, especially employees in the workplace. Because essentially, as you know, almost two years ago, you know, we were on the drop of a dime, pulled from our physical workplaces into our homes and have been there for quite some time. And that, you know, really was an epiphany moment for many people. Many people didn't even realize that they were working in in such toxic work environments until they had the opportunity to be absent from them. And they're like, oh, what's this feeling? All of a sudden, my mental health is better. I'm spending more time with my family. I have time now to do some of the things that I enjoy that I forgot that I enjoyed. Maybe I'm cooking more because I don't have my commute anymore. Or maybe I'm pursuing, I have time now to pursue, along with working full time, my entrepreneurship um, you know, dreams and aspirations that I had. So when employers started calling people back into the workplace last, late last year, what we saw people saying was, thanks, but no thanks. You know, they have enjoyed that kind of mental clarity that they've had. They've enjoyed the, the reconnecting with their family, their friends, even if it's over Zoom, right? They're re-enjoying that. And so they are essentially putting their mental health first for so long, you know, we have been taught, especially in the United States to be very career driven. And we've put our careers and professions before anything else in our lives. And now we're seeing that kind of reverse. Like I'm putting myself first. I'm putting my mental health first. I'm putting my family first. I can still have a career, but it's not going to look like it did pre-pandemic. Wow. You know what? You, you know what? It's, it's interesting. I have a niece who was moving up in the tech world. And during when the pandemic hit, she made that shift and she's looking to go back to school. She wants to be a museum curator, which is a, a big shift. And she's just she's just like, yeah, I, I don't want that 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 crazy grind that goes along with yeah. that anymore. Yeah. So and now, we've seen that so many times. 
Now, uh, one of the things I, 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 I think is important, we're talking about that culture, you know, and that organization, organizational culture. How does that go about, I think, impacting employees? And, you know, the culture, the structure of a business makes a big difference. Uh, we've yeah. all called that company where, you know, they're transferring you to one person, to the next person, the next person, because they have no real stroke structure and they're yeah. just keep, you know, keeping pushing people and pushing people and mm-hmm. pushing people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. mm-hmm. so, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I mean, so, you know, essentially you're right. A lot of organizations never took the time to pause and determine or define, well, what is our culture? What do we need to do? So that employees can come, they can stay for a long time, they feel committed, they feel loyal. And um, what we have seen in the past year or so is organizations finally taking the time to do that, to define what their culture is, um, define what is an inclusive culture, meaning that everyone can come to work and feel that sense of belonging, sense of value um, when they get here. What does it mean to develop employees? So They're really, what we have reached is just a point of reckoning where organizations are going through that because they just never pause to do that. And like you said, they were turning employees like robots, like, okay, you're indispensable, you're replaceable, or you're dispensable, sorry, you're replaceable. And that was kind of that mentality. But what the great, what we are in now, which is called the great resignation, that means you know, so many people leaving the workplace. November, record high number of people that left, and we haven't even gotten the numbers for December and January. So what we are, what what that has done has essentially, you know, gotten organizations' attention. We need to pause, right? Because now we've got all of these open positions. So that means we need to hold on to the people that we have. We've got to figure out what are our retention efforts. And then we've got to figure out how to get people to come back to work. How do we rebrand ourselves? You know, how do we reshape our reputation and that culture so that people will come back and they'll stay? Now, okay, so now we need to talk about the leadership side of things. Mm -hmm. Um, I've seen, I've listened to many success coaches just flat out say, you know what? There's a lot of people leading because they have bad leadership. Mm-hmm. And you know what? What are organiz- What can organizations do to you know? Obviously, you don't want to lose star talent, especially at right. the middle or senior level. But what what can organizations do to redevelop those individuals so mm-hmm. they could be better leaders, more inspiring, that type of thing? Well, you just hit the nail on the head because you said we don't want to lose our star talent. And that has been the challenge. It's been, oh, I know I have this leader. They are the jerk at work. You know, they're a bully. They're narcissists, all of these things. But they bring so much value to the organization or so much money or they have these connections and we can't lose them. We'd rather lose these people than than to lose this person. So again, what they have to do is redefine, well, what does it mean to be a high performing leader? And they've got to add on to that list of just, you know, profit meeting organizational goals and add on, you know, are they an empathetic leader? Are they uh, are they a vulnerable leader? What kind of are they an inclusive leader? Right. Because without those elements, I don't know if we can call them a star player. And that's what we've got to sit back and redefine. And what we see is eventually it catches up with you, right? We have seen time after time leaders being marched out of organizations 
after there's a crisis, after someone has gone to the media or the press and said, this person has created a hostile work environment, this person has sexually harassed me. And what you see in the theme of all those stories is that wasn't new news to the organization. You know, it's, oh, oh, we knew all this time. Jeff Garland, you know, said, I was, I was investigated by HR for three times because of my workplace behavior. When that made it to the news and people start sharing their stories, oh, you got to go, right? So what we have to do is not wait for that, right? Let's not wait for that big event, that whole media mm-hmm. blast that you've got these big leaders. Let's nip that in the bud. Eventually, right, it will come to get you, you know, it will come back to bite you. You'll have to get rid of that leader anyway. Then you got to go back and do a whole lot of reputation repair, you know, and build trust again with your employees. Why go through all of that? Once you have a leader that is determined that they don't want to be developed. Look, leaders are allowed to make mistakes. We're human, right? Mm -hmm. But it's about once we bring that to your attention, hey, when you said this, when you did this, that was offensive, or there was a different way you could have approached that. A good leader takes that feedback. They, you know, have emotional intelligence and, you know, it really reflect on their behavior and they approach things differently. Um, and those are the types of leaders that we need in organizations. Now, I, I take it your, your organization helps people develop those skills within themselves. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. So we do, you know, leadership training um, and executive coaching, you know, so leadership training, we, you know, take the entire leadership team, we, you know, determine what the culture is, and we train them of what their behaviors, their actions and their words should be to be reflective of the culture they've identified. And then sometimes you need, you have leaders that either want or need that additional coaching. And so we go in and work with individual leaders as well to help them to gain those competencies that I just talked about. That's perfect. You know what? We're going to take a break right now. This is great. It's going like that. So I know we have a good interview going. Now, uh, everybody stick with us. We're going to be right back with more Natasha Bowman, the workplace doctor. More expert advice for having a happier relationship with money still to come on the Saving with Steve show. Don't let your financial woes keep you up at night and prevent you from living a life of financial and personal freedom. Hi, I'm Steve Sexton, host of The Saving with Steve Show. We're gonna be talking about the ins and outs of money, those financial issues that could be costing you thousands of dollars, causing stress, keeping you up at night. We're gonna talk about money, tax reductions, saving more, spending less, your investments, risk management, retirement, and everything associated with you having a healthier, happy relationship with money. So if you've ever dreamed of living a life of financial and personal freedom, you owe it to yourself and your family to tune into The Saving with Steve Show. Join me, Steve Sexton, on The Saving with Steve Show as we talk about everything under the sun when it comes to money. To learn more about the show, visit savingwithsteve.us. That's savingwithsteve.us, savingwithsteve.us. We'll see you soon. Welcome back to the show that is here to help you achieve your financial goals. It's the Saving with Steve show. Now here's your host, Steve Sexton. Hello, welcome back to the Saving with Steve show. I want to thank you for joining us again. We're talking about the ins and outs of money. Hey, all the replays are available at the savingwithsteve.us. If you're enjoying the stories of helpful information and insight on Saving with Steve, then I encourage you to subscribe to our YouTube channel, Spotify, or uh, Google Play channel. And you know what? So you never miss a show. Uh, you can check us check out a few of our affiliates at UK Health Radio, 
BBS Radio, Talk Radio New York City, E360 TV, and Las Vegas TV networks. All these networks are dedicated to empowering you, solve problems, uplift your spirit, and live a life of personal and financial freedom. Now we're back with Natasha Bowman. She's been giving us some pearls of wisdom when it comes to the workplace and redesigning this uh, into a new modern workplace. Now, I want to I read this, uh, and it says... How to succeed at creating workplaces truly works for mothers. Labor disruption disproportionately burdens working mothers, highlights the uh, the vital role to play in the American workplace. So, you know what? We have a tremendous amount of single mothers, um, single fathers nowadays. You know what? How do we, what do we need to do to make it work for everybody? Yeah. So, you know, if we look going back to the great resignation, it was determined, or not just the great, great resignation, even the COVID pandemic, um, the people that left the workplace the most were working mothers um, that had to leave the workplace. And what that's going to do in the long run is continue um, to contribute to the wage disparity gap um, and equities in other places between males and females. Um, so what do we need to do about that? And why do we have to lose mo- working mothers? And essentially, if I look at workplace policies, you know, in regards to flexibility, et cetera, et cetera, they're just not there yet. You know, if we even look at U.S. law, many people don't know that in the private sector, there is no law that requires employers to give one single day off, meaning you can work 365 days a year. 24 hours a day, you know, and, and, and as long as you're paid correctly, that's all we care about in the private sector. Um, and then you have, you know, of course, organizations, I don't know any that do that, you know, they'll give you your holidays, they'll give you a, a certain amount of vacation. But essentially, when you're taking those days, you often feel guilty for taking it because you've got so much work to come back to. You're being bothered while you're on vacation or off. You know, so again, when we saw these, the pandemic happen, daycare shut down. And so therefore, working mothers, you know, not only had to get on these Zoom calls, but they have kids running around. Right. And so you ask the question, what can we do? And it's really about resources, looking at the resources that we provide to uh, families. And I don't like to say just mothers, even though, you know, it was impacted by mothers. But I think families are created in, in, in many, many different ways. But for any parent, um, you know, to have resources. So I know organizations that provided daycare or if you could have a family member to stay with your child so that you could work, they would reimburse you a certain amount per day for that to happen. Right. Those were the. Or- yes, absolutely. That's great. Those were the organizations. You know, if I can get my cousin or my aunt to come, hey, I pay one hundred dollars a day to come sit with these kids so I can go to work, maybe prepare a meal for them. That's so helpful. And my organization is reimbursing me for that. Uh, those are the types of things you've got to be creative. Right. What we have traditionally defined as work life balance. It just hasn't been the case. Right. Mm-hmm. So. We've got to redefine what that looks like. We've got to provide way more resources, examine what resources we're providing. I know so many organizations that pay companies and gyms and all these places, all this money, and people don't utilize that. It's just this unused, underutilized resource that they've paid a whole bunch of money to. So, you know, you've got to assess your organization and, and just ask them. A lot of organizations forget to just ask their employees, what do you need to be successful? Mm -hmm. You know, ask them what resources would be 
um, beneficial to them, to retain them, to keep them engaged and invest in those resources. Stop playing the guessing game. Stop, you know, thinking that what happened, what worked yesterday is going to work tomorrow. You have to be flexible, agile, and just have employees involved in the process. That'll save you a whole bunch of time and money if you just simply ask and involve. So what you're really saying is, if we can find out from the employees what takes that family monkey off the back, mm-hmm. they can fully focus on or, and be tunnel focused on what their work is and be more productive, probably more happier too. do it in less yep. time with less destructions. Absolutely. And I've seen it done. I saw many organizations that figured it out during the pandemic. And those are the organizations that were the least impacted by the great resignation. So here's, here's a question. This is really like, um, you know what? 86% of our listeners are female, um, 45 to 65. Some of them are listening right now and they're going, you know what? I work at a place. How can I push change like yeah. this in my workplace? Do you have any recommendations for that? I mean, you have the perfect background to say something. <laughs> you know, employees can be shy. <laughs> they, they can run under the assumption that, you know what, I'm not allowed to speak up. I'm not allowed to advocate for myself or for others. And I don't believe that. I have said in the C-suite and, you know, a lot of times we, we, we do want to hear from you all the time. And I know that when I was sitting in that decision-making uh, chair, you know, those were the ideas that helped me. So it's about using, I, I have a concept, I did a TED talk and I have an upcoming book called The Power of One, Leading with Civility, Candor and Courage. And when I say leading, I mean using your individual power. I'm not talking about you just having positional leadership. But I believe that everyone in the organization can take a leadership opportunity by saying, hey, go into your organization, right? And saying, look, if you look around, we have a problem. You're losing people left and right, or you have a disengaged workplace. Let me share some ideas, right? Even if you're not impacted, sometimes it's the people that are not impacted that may have the credibility to speak on behalf of others and say, you know what, I'm not a working mom or I don't have any kids. I wasn't impacted by this. But as I look around, I've noticed some things. And can I just share with you what I think, right? Speaking on behalf of others. If we all collectively take cultures back into our hands and stop waiting on leadership and initiatives and budgets and all these things that we have traditionally waited on to create culture, as if just every individual, right, takes, you know, leads with civility, leads with candor, you know, meaning giving that Mm -hmm. feedback, um, you know, leads with courage, you know, and it doesn't mean standing up and having a red cape. It just means, you know what, I think I'm going to go knock on this door and say, hey, can I share something with you? And it's just an idea. The worst thing that can happen is they say, thank you for sharing, and they don't do anything. But what if, what if they say, thank you for sharing? You know what? I'm about to run with this, right? You know, you've got to take that chance. That's the only way Mm -hmm. we're going to see change. We, We can't wait for organizational leaders, people in political power. I mean, that's done, right? Just, you know, as an individual, think about, well, what is my power one? What is my gift that I can share to cultivate change? And whether that's through effective communication, writing, you know, how can I make change in my organization, um, you know, and reflecting on that and using that. 
That's wonderful. You know what? That message just basically says that, hey, you're just not an employee. You don't get a check and people just don't tell you what to do. You right. have the opportunity to change your world, make a better workplace. All you have to do is say something. That's right. Okay? Exactly. Yeah. You know what? If you don't ask, you don't know. And I think yeah. that's a great message that you have there. Now, you have the your, your book called Power One. When does that come out or has it already come out? Uh, so it's on pre-sale now um, okay. and it should be coming out in the next couple of months. They're still trying to identify an actual date, but yeah, it's called the power of one leading with civility, candor and courage It's already on Amazon. It's already on the Rutledge publishing website, Barnes and Noble. You can go out and pre-order your copy um, and it should be to you in a, in a couple of months. That's wonderful. Now we're coming to a close here. I would just like you to share how people who are listening can get in contact with your firm if they're looking to get help. Yes. So you can contact my firm, Performance Renew, at performance-renew.com. And if you've enjoyed this conversation and you want to hear more about work, because I talk about work a whole lot all day, every day, you can find me over on LinkedIn. I'm Natasha Bowman, JD, SPHR. I have a newsletter there. I post a lot. I engage a lot. Let's continue this conversation. You can ask me questions and maybe I can help you to navigate through some of these challenges that we just talked about. You know what, Natasha, I want to thank you for joining us today. This has been wonderful. I love your message because it's a, the the new world is about leadership because when way back when when I was in that world, it was about doing what somebody told you and suck it up and grind it out and all that stuff and you know what, this pandemic has made a lot of things change, but it's really important that people step up and ask and contribute with their opinion to how to fix things to make them better because you know what, in my whole world the more people that I could help get to where they wanted to go, huh? you know what? I was a young executive at like 24 because of stuff like that and the things that you've just said. Yeah. And I just want to thank you for sharing that. I'm glad somebody else is saying it besides me. <laughs> so with yeah. that, uh, again, go to Amazon, Power One. It's performance-renew if you want to get in contact with Natasha Bowman. And Natasha, again, I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope you have a wonderful day. Stay safe and stay healthy. Thank you for having me. All righty. We'll see you. Bye-bye. Everybody stick with us. We're going to be right back. More expert advice for having a happier relationship with money still to come on the Saving with Steve show. Don't let your financial woes keep you up at night and prevent you from living a life of financial and personal freedom. Hi, I'm Steve Sexton, host of The Saving with Steve Show. We're going to be talking about the ins and outs of money, those financial issues that could be costing you thousands of dollars, causing stress, keeping you up at night. We're going to talk about money, tax reduction, saving more, spending less, your investments, risk management, retirement, and everything associated with you having a healthier, happy relationship with money. So if you've ever dreamed of living a life of financial and personal freedom, you owe it to yourself and your family to tune into The Saving with Steve Show. Join me, Steve Sexton, on The Saving with Steve Show as we talk about everything under the sun when it comes to money. To learn more about the show, visit savingwithsteve.us. That's savingwithsteve.us. Savingwithsteve.us. We'll see you soon. Welcome back to the show that is here to help you achieve your financial goals. It's the Saving with Steve show. Now here's your host, Steve Sexton. Hello, wasn't Natasha Bowman wonderful? Again, you can go to Amazon if you're looking to get her new book. 
which is Power of One. Uh, if you're looking for the company, go to performance-renew.com. And you know what? Next, we're going to move into how to protect your money from inflation in 2022. If you've noticed, whether you're staying at a hotel, buying gas, getting food, it's all gone up. Okay. And the reality is you're witnessing results of the latest inflation surge. Well, you know what? I like to tell people that gas isn't going to get any better and your money is just going to get worse. While the prices and goods and services over the last month have been attributed to the worldwide, you know, opening back up, we don't know exactly how long this is going to last. So financially speaking, we need to start thinking about doing a few things. The first thing we want to look at is, hey, how do we protect things? Well, you can do that through TIPS, which stands for Treasury Inflation Protected Securities. TIPS are actually quite simple to understand. TIPS are government bonds, uh, things of that nature. They are, um, um, they are based off the inflation. Um, and basically what's happening here is when inflation goes up, so does the interest rate. When inflation goes down, so does the interest rate. TIPS can help balance out your fixed income or bond portfolio since they're, they're indexed to inflation. TIPS are backed by the U.S. federal government. They're, they're one of the safest investments for your money and an effective way to diversify your investments while also supplementing your future retirement income. Because the price for TIPS go up and down with the consumer price index. It helps protect against these unexpected spikes in inflation. Tips are if I bar fest the inflation for the average investors. So it's really important you take a look at that next. A lot of people don't realize this, but cash has often been overlooked as an inflation hedge. While cash isn't a growth asset, it's usually kept up with inflation in, in a nominal terms if inflation is accompanied by rising short-term interest rates. Now, with the pandemic just you know, how unpredictable the economy can be. Always keep something in high yield savings, money markets, CDs. You're also going to have too much here because you really just want to look at, you know, at six to nine months of your income that you need for the household. So, and you want to look at it and, you know, in a short term maturing CD um, <clears throat> until we have a better understanding of the longer term inflation outlook. Now, you know, we have some good news here. So let's talk about the best place for a high yield account, such as um, Marcus by Goldman Sachs, highest yield for online savings. You know, no fees, it's very accessible, zero conditions, people love it. Best money market accounts, Alibank money market account, 24-7 access, ATM reimbursements, the whole shot. Best CDs, you know what? First of all, you want to consider the length of time to type your money. You know what? So look at three or six months. So you can go to Brio, that's B-R-I-O direct high rate CD. Or for six months, I go banking high yield CD. For one year, CFG Community Bank. Three year, First National Bank of America. Five year, Alibank high yield CD. Now, short term bonds can keep your money in short term bonds and a similar strategy is maintaining cash in a CD or savings account. You know what? Your money stays inaccessible here. Now, if rising inflation leads to higher interest rates, short-term bonds are more, are more resilient where long-term bonds will suffer losses. This is the reason it's best to stick with short or immediate intermediate turn and avoid anything long-term when it comes to bonds. Make sure your bonds or bond funds are short-term since they will be affected the less interest rates become to rise quickly. Okay, now stocks, COX can be a great, uh, at long-term inflation hedge, but can suffer in the short term. 
Now, especially if there's an infl uh, inflation spike, if you're if you're new to the investing world, it's easier than ever to get started to do so. You'll need to open an account through a brokerage and trading platform. You want to look at all the different brokers for the ones that offer zero commission trading, especially if you're doing it yourself, and make sure you do your research. You know what? If you're if you invest, keep in mind that current inflation issues may be transitory. So be careful not to make dramatic changes in your portfolio that may hurt performance if inflation drops. Also, in a diversified portfolio works whether we have rising inflation or stable inflation. Next, real estate traditionally does well during a high uh, during high inflation as the values of pro property can increase, which we've seen over the last year. So also means landlords can change or uh, charge more for the rent, which in turn increases their income so it can pace up with inflation. You can also invest in real estate investments trusts, real estate properties, Delaware statutory trust. Uh, you can do things through mutual funds. Just you want to make sure you talk with somebody to make sure it fits for you. Now, gold. Why doesn't gold always protect against rising inflation in the short term? It tends to keep up over the long term. Now, if you take a look at the long term, back in the 70s, gold was as little as $300 an ounce. Now it's a lot higher than that. And you can see it keep, take, does well over decades, but the fluctuation might not work for you. Commodities. Prices for raw materials like oil, metal, art, uh, agricultural products usually increase along with inflation and they're a good hedge against it. But the big but here, you should note that commodities can also be extremely risky. The prices for commodities depend largely on supply and demand, which can be highly unpredictable. This makes them a risky investment on top of investors taking on leverage. The chance of rewards are high, but so are the risk of losses. Next, cryptocurrency. Bitcoin is often described as the new digital gold. Theoretically, should protect against inflation because of limited supply. But, you know, quite frankly, everybody's view is still out, okay, whether or not it will be a good inflation hedge over the long term. And be very wary of Bitcoin because of the recent volatility, okay? It's, it's really hard to um, or difficult to incorporate your diversified, diversified cryptocurrency in a diversified portfolio. Bottom line, investors have option to protect themselves against inflation. But the safest bet is through tips. Otherwise, any inflation surge period is, to, is a good time to review your overall uh, investment performance, allocations to make sure it's in line with your goals. You know, the reality is this, don't make dramatic changes based off current inflation or market conditions since most of us are still long-term investors but there's things that you can do. Now, you know what? You wanna stick with us. We've got some really good dating tips here. We got Dr. Uh, Jacqueline De Rosario. She's been deemed in the marriage and relationship industry as America's marriage coach. You're gonna need to stick with us. This next segment's gonna be wonderful. You're gonna love it. And we're gonna be right back. More expert advice for having a happier relationship with money still to come on the Saving with Steve show. Don't let your financial woes keep you up at night and prevent you from living a life of financial and personal freedom. Hi, I'm Steve Sexton, host of The Saving with Steve Show. We're gonna be talking about the ins and outs of money, those financial issues that could be costing you thousands of dollars, causing stress, keeping you up at night. We're gonna talk about money, tax reduction, saving more, spending less, your investments, risk management, retirement, and everything associated with you having a healthier, happy relationship with money. 
So if you've ever dreamed of living a life of financial and personal freedom, you owe it to yourself and your family to tune into The Saving with Steve Show. Join me, Steve Sexton, on The Saving with Steve Show as we talk about everything under the sun when it comes to money. To learn more about the show, visit savingwithsteve.us. That's savingwithsteve.us, savingwithsteve.us. We'll see you soon. Welcome back to the show that is here to help you achieve your financial goals. It's the Saving with Steve show. Now here's your host, Steve Sexton. Hey, welcome back to the Saving with Steve show where we talk about the ins and outs of money. But you know what? We're not going to be talking too much about money. Well, yeah, we could be, especially if you're wasting money on a uh, on a relationship that isn't going to last. But you know what? We have Dr. Jacqueline Del Rosario. Uh, she has 25 years experience in the dating marriage counseling uh, arena. Um, you know what? She has this wonderful philosophy of the seven pillars of compatibility. And uh, you know what? She's been seen all throughout the different stations, Hallmark, Bravo, Newsweek, Bloomberg. She's been on the Housewives of Atlanta. And we're just really happy that you're here. You know what? Um, I, I said this at the beginning of the show. And how dating time wasters, I, you know, I've been married for 25 years like you. And, uh, but I remember looking over all your information, how many times that I was like, oh my gosh, I should have dropped that one. Like, <laughs> and just, cause I was looking at your stuff going, God, if I thought of it that way, oh my gosh, uh, I shouldn't be here. And you know what, it's how to change the lens of relationship and to know when to plot realizing what the relationship has given you, but also what it has taken from you, which yes. I thought was really interesting and as a, a, a precursor to walking away. And I also like one of the other statements that you have, and I'll, I'll, I'll like to talk to a little bit about that is no one can, can make you happy. You must come into the relationship with your own happiness. Now that's, that's some people are going to love me or hate me with me saying that, but it's true. Too many people enter a relationship wanting somebody to make them happy. Listen, the relationship is hard work. It's a lot of joy. It's a lot of great times, but really that's not their responsibility. You need to work on you and be happy. So a relationship is not supposed to complete you. It's supposed to enhance you. And so that's the lens that we need to look at it through. You know, I, I love that. But here, here's what I want to ask. How did you get into marriage and relationship counseling? So, you know, so many people ask me that they even asked me, how did you get on television? And it all seemed to be serendipitous to me. But um, basically, the federal government uh, launched an initiative because I don't know if you're aware, Steve, but marriages have been on the decline for decades now mm -hmm. and more so in certain um, communities of color, minority communities more so than than others. And so through that initiative, they launched a national search. And so our organization, we were chosen to lead the charge in developing healthy marriage education materials, tools, and services. So that kind of got me into the space at a deeper level. But to be honest, Steve, I've been at this for a long time. I remember from the age of about five years old, I became intrigued with this whole notion about relationships. I learned very early that you rise or fall on a good or bad relationship. Very and true. so I wanted to understand how do I learn about them to master them and to manage them? So it's kind of been a long uh, pursuit for me. You know, I was that girl that even in middle school, you know, kids would come up and talk about their problems and want me to help them to figure out how to resolve. So romantic and interpersonal relationships, professional, have been on my radar for some time. 
Wow, you were you were the girl then. I was. I was. <laughs> you knew everybody's girl. secrets. <laughs> I never looked at it that way. That's a good way of looking at it. You know what? You're the girl who knew from fifth grade all the way through high school. So you 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 really knew what was going on. Yeah. Uh, but the other part that I think is really interesting is you rise and fall with your relationships. Mm-hmm. And you know what? If you can take the, your top five relationships in a business world mm-hmm. and actually see where somebody's going. You can. And you I can, love that. And you can, I love that. You could do the same thing in your level of life, the type of mm-hmm. life you lead, the mm-hmm. drama that you deal with. All, all that can be related to the relationships that you have. But let's and, think about and, it. And um, well, I was thinking a lot about your part when I was preparing for this. <laughs> so, so I was just but, like, but, but let's just start with what you said in a business relationship. So many people do not know how to prosper in a proper business relationship. For me, they go to work and they don't understand how do you scale that ladder up to the top? And I just have a couple tips. I, I just this wasn't on our, our schedule, but I'd like to share. For one, to me, you need to learn how to be a problem solver. When I go to a job, I've always been quickly um, elevated in my position. And one of the things that I did is I found out who my leader was, what were their likes and their dislikes? What are some problems that have been longstanding that they want solved? And I figured out how to be the difference maker. And what happens is when you make yourself indispensable in the workplace, it doesn't matter what happens, whether the budget, they're under budget, over budget, you always will thrive because that manager or that CEO is going to understand your wealth. And that meant for me going into a job, not getting involved in clicks. More specifically, if I recognize that my boss did not really have an affinity for certain people, if certain behaviors rubbed them the wrong way, I stayed away from that person or those people. And I also learned from them, you know, what were those sorts of behaviors that they really didn't like? Um, And I think being a problem solver, making yourself indispensable will always give you long term success. Also, I learned that you just don't go to a job to work, but you go to a job to Um, to shine, because I believe every job that we have, whether we liked it or did not like it, it promotes something towards our future purpose, right? As a matter of fact, the job that I hated the most was a job that landed me right where I am at right now. So I think we have to figure out how to sprout, you know, where we're planted and how to not look at it in terms of, you know, man, this job is not really it, but what is this job going to give to me that I don't already have? You know, I think the, the, the theme in what you just said there is how can I help my boss or the, my manager or my leader win so I can win? That's and it. In turn, you're going to have that boss or leader go, how can I help that person win? And part of that is, uh, and I learned this early on back in the corporate world too, 30 years ago, geez. Uh, but uh, <laughs> it was one of those things where if I learned how to communicate the way they wanted to be communicated to, Mm-hmm. I had a, it was almost like I, it was like a psychic connection for them. Oh, Steve knows what I need. needs to know what I want. So when yes. we had these big presentations, I would make sure everybody, all the managers who work for me communicated in a certain, certain fashion for the review. So ours would only take like, a you know, two hours when everybody else was take all day. And they're like, yeah, I, I love working with them. So yeah. that was, that was one of those things. And I, I really like that because if you, it's, it's a, it's a dual win-win. Obviously, yeah. it's a three win because if you help your boss win, you're going to win. And so is the company. So mm-hmm. I think that's wonderful. Yes. It was great advice. 
And well, I, I love what you said about sharing in those uh, presentations and making sure that your staff even knew how to pre- uh, how to present. Some people come to a job and feel as if they don't like the way their boss communicates and they want their boss to change to them. It's about the pecking order. You know, <laughs> it really is. You know, you need to uh, assimilate to them. And then out of that relationship, hopefully there can be some other uh, nuances that kind of make it to the forefront. And the other thing that I thought was very, very important too many people get involved with too much gossip. Yes. In the workplace. That's how you shoot yourself in a foot quicker yes. than anything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. And you don't know who's involved with uh, that workplace politics. They could just be drawing you in so that they can set you up. And uh, I think that messiness, a lot of bosses just don't want to really be involved in. And so if they see that you kind of fall into that, it really kind of shows where your focus is and your ability to be mature and recognize opportunity in the face when you see it. Mm-hmm. And you know, so. No, I think that's great. I think it's, uh, I find that people who are involved in those things don't think globally. And if they didn't think globally, you can see the world is your, I, not to quote a Scarface thing, but the world is your oyster if you do. Uh-huh. Uh, so that's wonderful. So let's get on with the dating part. So the first big question I have is, how to uh, navigate tough relationships, Mm -hmm. um, you know, finding your tribe and mentor without dismissing relationships with people that are close to you. That's Mm -hmm. a a toughie. Well, that's, you said a mouthful, really. There's just so many, many topics, micro topics in there. Right. So um, what do you want to start with Steve? Well, let's just start with how do you, how do you, how do you navigate a tough relationship? I mean, you have them with family, you have them with friends, Mm-hmm. Um, you obviously don't want them in your dating life, but I mean, uh, <laughs> some people have them. So we, I think we need to touch on it. There's so many people. I had a client just this morning who is in a very tough dating relationship and she's kind of looking for the exit. Um, so let me just give you some background. A lot of times when they're what we call is a tough relationship is really when it boils down to it, a relationship where there's not very good, clear and open, productive communication. Number two, a relationship where there are needs that are not being met, usually on one end more so than on the other. And I think a lot of times people are in these relationships and they're wanting to move forward, but they don't really have the tools or the skill set to know how. If it's a communication roadblock, I think we really have to boil it down to what are the issues that are at stake and, and, and figuring out how not to communicate around them, but to kind of hit them head on, right? If it's a relationship where needs aren't being met, Don't wait for someone to tell you when the relationship is over. You need to have the candid conversation. These are the things that I I need out of this relationship. I think all too often we get together and we don't set the rules of engagement. And rules of engagement in a relationship kind of lay the groundwork for how I want to be communicated with. What I'm looking for out of this relationship, the non-negotiables, things that I'm not willing to negotiate in this relationship. And I think sharing that openly and, and hearing from each party makes it very easy for people to get along very well. And so I think that's a missing ingredient. But this particular client I was working with today was sharing about how this gentleman just wasn't meeting her needs and he just wasn't always present. And still at the end of the day, she wasn't willing to say, you know, what? I think it's better that we disengage. She was waiting for him to make that decision. If you're unhappy in a relationship, you've already determined that this person's not able, they're not willing, or both <laughs> to give you what you need. Go ahead and you make your way to the exit door. Don't wait for someone else to win to end your misery. I think a lot of times it's just the courage to do that. So 
you know what? This is wonderful. We do have to take a quick break. We're going to be right back with Dr. Jack, Jackie here on dating. So stick with us. We're going to be right back. More expert advice for having a happier relationship with money still to come on the Saving with Steve show. Don't let your financial woes keep you up at night and prevent you from living a life of financial and personal freedom. Hi, I'm Steve Sexton, host of the Saving with Steve show. We're going to be talking about the ins and outs of money, those financial issues that could be costing you thousands of dollars, causing stress, keeping you up at night. We're going to talk about money, tax reductions, saving more, spending less your investments, risk management, retirement, and everything associated with you having a healthier, happy relationship with money. So if you've ever dreamed of living a life of financial and personal freedom, you owe it to yourself and your family to tune into The Saving with Steve Show. Join me, Steve Sexton, on The Saving with Steve Show as we talk about everything under the sun when it comes to money. To learn more about the show, visit savingwithsteve.us. That's savingwithsteve.us, savingwithsteve.us. We'll see you soon. Welcome back to the show that is here to help you achieve your financial goals. It's the Saving with Steve show. Now here's your host, Steve Sexton. Hello, welcome back to the Saving with Steve show. We've been talking to Dr. Jackie. You've seen her. She's been dubbed the America's um, Relationship and Marriage Coach. So we're really happy here. We've been talking about navigating through a tough relationship. You know what? What's the importance of finding your tribe and mentor? Well, I think that that's so important. And here's why, Steve. I, myself alone, can certainly voice my appreciation for finding my tribe. Finding your tribe is like, it's the people that come are cut from the same cloth. So they get you. It's people that you have a lot of similarities and synergy with. So you're doing life not alone. If it's in your professional career, if it's in your relationship or marriage, these are people that kind of understand you, that you have so many similarities and commonalities that it's very easy for you to kind of have a meeting of the minds, to discuss your issues and to learn from each other. Iron sharpens iron is an old proverb. And I think that's very true when you find your tribe. Now, a mentor is different, though. A mentor is someone that is really, in terms of their stature, they're much above you. They've already traveled to the terrain that you're on now, and they've gleaned the wisdom. So they're the ones that can kind of help you to understand where you are, what you need to do. And they're able to help you to course correct if you've kind of veered off the road to the, to, to the wrong side. And a mentor, you will know, because not only do they have a greater stature, but they tend to make you feel a little bit kind of out of sorts. You feel a little inadequate, usually when you're talking to your mentor. There's, there's that discomfort. And I want uh, your listeners to know that's a good thing, because getting a mentor means that it's going to allow you to quantum leap. Instead of it taking you your regular, you know, cadence to 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 gain, um, you know, uh, access or to gain advancement with a mentor, they're going to speed that up exponentially because they're going to be able to give you the wisdom that they've garnered over their journeys over the similar terrain. So that's wonderful. I think I think that's great. I, I, gosh, if it wasn't for mentors, I wouldn't be anywhere close <laughs> to what I accomplished in such a short uh, young age. One of the big things here is this: when you start developing your tribe you've got your mentor, you have old relationships. Mm-hmm. And as opposed to just falling off the face of the earth, you know, or dismissing that old relationships that are close to you, how do you deal with that? Well, I think you just deal with it and you stay in touch, definitely not with the same frequency. And you just allow time to have its perfect work. Because guess what? A lot of times our constellation will change. Those individuals that are in an orbit 
they, they're sometimes moved from an inner orbit to an outer orbit. And that's for the season of life that we're in at the moment. It doesn't mean that it's always going to be that way. So you certainly don't want to burn bridges. You just let them know, hey, I'm so busy now. My schedules have changed. I'm in a different place. And that's another way of communicating. This is not our season. Um, okay. But you never know because it could be just another year, even another quarter later where things will change again. And now that person resumes a different orbit in your life. So you definitely want to nurture all of your relationships. Relationships are fragile and it's so hard to get good and solid ones. So you want to nurture the ones that are good. Yeah. It's always great. Best relationships. Are, uh, I, I agree with that. Um, it's very, very important because there's some things that you deal with 20 years later that mm-hmm. a relationship can make all the difference in the world. You never want to burn that bridge. Absolutely. So this is one of the questions that our viewers wanted me to ask. And it's one of the ones that you had in your talking points. Uh, four ways to tell if he's the beast or he's the best or the just a beast. Sorry about that. <laughs> uh, you know, and the other part was, what is our role in the relationship demise and closure tips? Okay, so that's a mouthful. So that's two questions. So I'm going to yes, start with the first one. <laughs> Knowing if he's a, a, a what is it? A, a if he's the best or a beast. The best or a beast. Well, the best person makes you your best. So that's one. Are you better? Are you striving and reaching higher because of this relationship? Has the quality of your life and your person improved because in your, you're in relationship with them? Remember, we said iron sharpens, sharpens iron. That's a good proverb. Number two, do they meet your needs? Number three, How similar do you have a lot of commonalities that keeps you knit together very well? And then I say the last one, do they make you happy? Do they make you laugh? Do they make you feel this sense of home and comfort? Whatever your word is, describe that when you know everything is on. Do they do that for you? And if they're a beast, they do none of that. But they also tend to create questions in your mind or make you feel that you have to edit yourself, that you can't be um, authentic. You know, you can't be who you really are. You can't speak the way that you are and all of those things. Those are definitely things that make you feel like they're a beast. Do they betray your confidence? Do they tear you down instead of build you up? And I think it's easier for us to spot the people that (laughs) are the beast sometimes than it is the ones that are the best. And then if there is a relationship demise, Steve, I would say, what is your role in it? That's a really important question, but it's a difficult question. So I want to temper my answer by saying this. You have to know your tolerance for truth. A person that really has a very high and healthy tolerance for truth can really ask that question and really get a good answer. You ask the right question, you get the right answer. I look at all uh, of my conflicts in life, relational conflict. I start with me first. What was my role? What did I do wrong? Or what could I have done better? And I think it puts me in a posture where by when I meet with that person to actually have a conversation, It's not, well, you did or you did. I can come to the conversation causing people to be disarmed so that they can join the conversation to listen, to hear and to understand because I'm able to talk about what I did wrong or what I can do better or how I can change. And I think by leading with that sort of an example, it really opens the door for other people to join in and say, you know what, (laughs) I can do better too. And this was my issue and this is what I need to change. And so I think starting with self first is, is definitely the answer. I, I what love you what you think? said there. It actually just tell it. Um, um, what is it? I believe the relationships aren't 50, 50. I believe they're hundred percent. You either yes. all in or you're not. So for me, you know, my marriage, I've been all in for more than 25 years. Mm-hmm. And I think that if there's a problem, like you said, mm-hmm. Hey, it, there's two people to that problem, but yeah. you know, take responsibility for that problem yourself 
and it will enhance a relationship because it still means you're all in. It's always not their fault. And yeah. I, I remember the times where I've like done that <laughs> in relationships and it's like getting hit in the head with the pan as it comes back at you. <laughs> yes. Yes. But let's talk about something else that you said that was really good. You said that you have to be a hundred percent, you know, and I think that that's true, but we have to also remember sometimes there are ebbs and flows and sometimes you're not always at a hundred. And that's where the grace comes in to say, honey, you know, I understand because just like they're at an ebb, you will be at an ebb also, but we have to continue to be committed to doing the work. So sometimes you might have to give 120 while she's given her 80. And so she comes back around. And one of the things that really disturbs me is that I talk to couples all the time. And do you know that the average amount of time that a couple will be unhappy is the maximum six months and then they're gone. They're filing for divorce, you know? And I just think that in a real mature relationship, when you really understand what it looks like, doesn't look like those fairy tales, Simba and Nala. It doesn't look like Beauty and the Beast. There's not like this fairy tale ending. Their relationships are much more mundane and they tend to be messy sometimes. They're not always picture perfect. And I think we need to have a little bit more understanding and patience that as we go through the ebbs and the swings, upswings of life, that things are not always constant and they do change and they're not always perfect. I just have this one question and I've just thought of it now. Everybody's life is not like what they see on Facebook. And Mm -hmm. my feeling is Facebook has wrecked many relationships just be by virtue of the way a picture looks. Absolutely. Uh, And, 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 and you know what? I, uh, I personally don't look at Facebook anymore because it made me too anxious uh, Mm -hmm. over different things. And uh, I'm just, you know, you obviously agree with that sentiment. It's it's a relationship killer because they're not looking at the happy couple on Facebook. Uh, yeah. So they're looking at a posed picture <laughs> or, or a video that's been, you know, dusted up and everything. They've done special effects on it. They've, you know, they've done makeup in here. You know, it, it just sets a metric, right? That no, that is just so unrealistic and that yeah. no one can live up to. And the research is replete also, Steve. It does cause greater depression mm-hmm. because people are trying to live up to something that's just, it's not true. It's not Unattainable. real. Yeah. So I want to thank you for that. Now we've got about a minute left. I'd like to talk about your nonprofit, how you're helping people against anti-bullying and all that kind of stuff. Could you tell us about that, please? Well, Recapturing Vision has been around for about 27 years and we have a entire suite of programs from kindergarten all the way up to 50, 60 year olds. And so it covers everything from life skill education, adult preparation skills to our relationship and marriage education. And so we teach a lot about how to be prepared for marriage, how to be prepared for walking in your destiny or in your future. So we are really about causing people to dream again so that they can now create a life that's what they saw in their mind's eye. And that's RTV, Recapturing the Vision in a nutshell. And people can visit us on RTV for recapturingthevision.org. Oh, that's wonderful. Now, if somebody wants to reach out to you to say, hey, I need a marriage or relationship coach, mm-hmm. how do they go about getting a hold of you? They can schedule at drjackie.com and Jackie's with a Q is Dr. D-R Jackie, J-A-C-Q-U-I-E.com. They can also call my office just at recapturingthevision.org, that same rtv.org. Um, uh, you know what, Dr. Jackie, I want to, I want to thank you so much for being here. I love the insights that you provided and I know I'm going to get a lot of feedback. Um, so you know what, stay safe, stay safe, stay healthy over there. Uh, and you know what, I, I would love to have you back sometime in the future, just to talk about this again, because I think the things that we talked about today are something that need to be heard time and time again. 
I would love it. And the next time you have to do something for your your listeners and viewers, we got to give them something free that they can download and kind of get some additional information from. So until next time, Steve. Hey, have fun. Thank you. Be safe. Be healthy. We'll see you. Bye bye. Thank you, everybody. That was Dr. Jacqueline Del Rosario, Dr. Jackie. Uh, She's just wonderful, as you know. And you know what? Go to her uh, foundation if you'd want to donate, connect with her if you'd like her as a coach. So I want to thank you for joining us. Next week, we have uh, RV Robinson, the Million Dollar Speech Coach. We have Steve Cook, who's the Life and Air author. And you're going to love them both. But hey, have a great week. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us for the Saving with Steve show, hosted by Steve Sexton. To learn more about the show and how to become a guest or sponsor, visit savingwithsteve.us. That's savingwithsteve.us. Join us again next time as we continue to talk about everything under the sun that relates to you having a healthier, happier relationship with money. This has been the Saving with Steve show, hosted by Steve Sexton.